Welcome back to the Everyone's Different Podcast. I'm your host, Tristan Jass, here with my good friend. Young Trench. And we have a guest that is a great friend of mine. They call him a lot of names. Um, the trash-talking old man, uh, Chi-Town Pauly. We're in Vegas. Welcome, Paul. How we doing? You forgot a bunch of names they call me, seriously. Keep keep going. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it the, going. The GOAT. Okay. The legendary lover. The legendary Who's, who lover? Who says that one? My girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's a sweetheart. Um, a lot of things. Some people call me ass fuck. You know. <laughs> but most people do call me, you know, shy Tom Pauly, the trash talking old man, you know. It's you're either gonna love me or you're gonna hate me. You know, it's just it is what it is. Man, what the fuck are you doing with my mic? <laughs> so you cover my face and shit. I mean, goddamn it. You know what that's called when you cover somebody's face? It's called a Penn Stater. You know what a Penn Stater is? Their uniform. What is, what is that? Their uniform. It's so fucking ugly. And their their um helmet. They call it a Penn Stater when somebody has an ugly face, whatever. They put a helmet on because Penn Stater has ugly helmets. I've never heard of yeah, that yeah, it's Penn in Stater. my life. It's a nice way of saying somebody doesn't have the looks. Call them a Penn Stater. <laughs> well, I guess we learn something new every day. Paul, every where day. are we right now? We're in Vegas. We are in Vegas. And, uh, you know, I'm part owner of this hotel, fortunately and unfortunately. No, you're not. No, yeah. Oh, shit. I, I probably own a, a bathroom in one of the rooms. I probably own, a, <laughs> you know, a, a nice amount of uh, property here. You, so... Yeah. We're at Resorts World in Vegas. You are you saying you've spent a lot of money here over the years in Vegas? I've spent a lot of money, a lot of money. Like how how much are we talking? A lot of money. <laughs> he doesn't want to give that up. Yeah, a lot of money, more money than you would want to. Probably more money than most people make in their lifetime. It's sad. What? Yeah, yeah, it's sad. I was a degenerate, but I I don't gamble anymore. Or any less. I was just downstairs gambling <laughs> with you like sad. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, but I said, I don't gamble anymore. You quit after less. that? Yeah, yeah, I quit. I had a bad experience here once. Um, I had a really good experience. I came here years ago, and I won 12 times in a year at a hotel. A lot of money. And the 13th time, let's just say it's wasn't lucky. You know, I lost it all. Gave it all back plus. Really? Yeah. It was it was sad, so I don't encourage anybody to gamble. Gambling is not a good thing. That's why they have Gamblers Anonymous. They have uh, Alcohol Anonymous. They have now Cyber Bullying Anonymous. You know, Cell Phone Anonymous, uh, Social Media Anonymous. Everything. Gambling is an addiction, and I was addicted, and I went dry for a long time, long time. Gambling wow. is dangerous. That's it's dangerous. Bro, that's what I'm. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> yep, that, yep. I'm scared to do um, that. I don't like losing money. So I'm gonna teach you guys something since you guys are a little bit younger than me, a few years. If you ever go into a hotel in a casino, and their windows open in their rooms, leave. These hotel and casinos are built with no windows that open up for a reason. Yeah, you know, because there's been over the years a lot of jumpers. And it, it's sad. It really is. Oh, like you're saying, like someone could lose a lot of money and then want to, like. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, bro, it's peop bad. People lose their what? entire life their at entire casinos life sometimes. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I I could see that though because it's really addicting. Yeah, these casinos are built not because people win, and 
they don't even really care anymore about the big whales, the guys who come in with their million dollar line of credits, you know, their own private jets, their own yachts or whatever it is, you know, they make their money off of the little people in the world, the people that come here and basically cash their paychecks, you know, they bring their paycheck, you know, that they make six hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a week and they lose it all, you know, in one time. So the biggest the only way really to beat a casino is if you have staying power. So if you have staying power, that means you have enough of a stack that when you go down, you can ride that wave back up. So you, it's almost like a roller coaster ride, you know, just like in anything in life. In life, you know, you're going to have ups and downs, you know, you're going to have a lot of dips. And, you know, my uh, big theory right now is in anything, in real estate, in stock market, in cryptos, cash is king. Buy the dip. When things go by the dip, by the dip, they're always gonna go down. You well, know, you can call me a dipshit, but when you buy that dip and you have some money to put away, you hold on to it long enough, it's gonna go right back up. Mm-hmm. I promise you. Well, it's it's kind of like Rolex, right? How long has Rolex just been going up? So, Rolex is uh, it's a phenomenon, if I've said that word right. Um, Rolex since the start of time has never gone down. I mean, the valuation yeah. of Rolex keeps on going up and up and up, and uh, it they it that's <laughs> it's one piece of jewelry that you could buy and invest in, and it will keep on going up, and you could eventually make a lot of money on if you ever want to sell. And that's, that's if that's why they tell you never to bust down your watches and stuff. Trent, you're a smart man. <laughs> So Tristan and I have a dear friend of ours. His name's Damon John. Yeah. Damon John started FUBU. He's now the major star of Shark Tank. Yep. He has all these other businesses. Legit billionaire. Oh, yeah. Great, great guy. Great guy. He made a mistake in his life. He said he bought Rolexes and he blinged them out. Mm-hmm. And when yep. time went bad for him, when things went hard, because in everybody's life, you're going to have the good times and the bad times. And you got to roll with the punches, and hopefully you have more good times than bad times. Nothing's straight up. So he said his biggest mistake was he blinged out all of his watches, which was a terrible thing because when he needed that money, his $20,000 Rolex president watch that he bought for $20,000, he went to sell it, and the jeweler said, yeah, no problem. Here's 3500 And he's like, what? Damn. I paid $20,000 for it, and... Everybody else is getting twenty five, thirty, forty thousand. He goes, Yeah, but those are real. They're authentic Rolexes that are, you know, no aftermarket diamonds on them. He blinged his out and he right then and there he knew I made a mistake. Yeah. So it's an old saying, maybe less is more. Yeah, well that know? that's the thing nowadays is you see a lot of celebrities, a lot of rappers. They have the iced out watches, <sighs> yeah. the iced out chains, like all that shit. It's actually a horrible investment. If I take a Rolex, a factory Rolex, and I drill holes in it to put a bunch of diamonds in there. You're ruining the watch. You ruin the watch. Yeah. So. No disrespect for these rappers that do that. They want to ice out their stuff. For sure. You know, a lot of them are young kids. They don't understand. They want to look cool. They want to look fashionable. It's their image. It's their image. They want to, you know gangster rap you know mm-hmm. which i have no problem with whatsoever i i actually 
as Trent pointed out earlier, you know, I'm friends with a lot of them, you know, and one of my friends that I used to play basketball with every day, he did that with all his stuff, you know, and he had these huge necklaces and rings and everything. His initials are Kelly. I mean, yeah, R. Kelly. Uh, <laughs> and Wait, you used to play basketball with him every day? Every day he used to play basketball with him. You know, the first time I met him, I met him through a dear friend of mine named Carl Harris. Carl Harris is a legendary basketball player out of Chicago, Illinois. He was one of the greatest street basketball players of all times. He could have been in the NBA, could have been a major star, but he had one problem. He had an attitude. Yeah. Mm. And he always told his coaches that they were wrong. He was right, but mm. in some different terminology. He wasn't he wasn't coachable. He wasn't coachable at all. And he had more talent. Pretty much there was two guys out of Chicago. Uh, this was a Tim when Tim Hardaway was coming up a major star. There was three major players Carl Harris, Tim Hardaway, and Brian Leach. Brian Leach is no longer with us, but Brian Leach is, he, if you look him up, he holds pretty much every single record in Chicago. Um, there's another guy named Billy Harris who still holds the uh, most points ever scored in a game. He played for the Bulls for a stint. But Carl Harris, Tim Hardaway, Brian Leach, legends. They're legendary guys. Tim Hardaway made it to the NBA because he was coachable. He was smart. He had a great upbringing, good parents. Uh, and now his son, Tim Hardaway Jr., is, you know, great player in the NBA. Yeah, no, he yeah. is. And he's a good friend of ours who was good actually ours, yeah. pulled up to our basketball Love event him. that we had yeah. last March right here. Yeah, I've known him since he was a little kid, a little kid. So, uh, yeah, so I used to play basketball all the time. Carl Harris was a dear friend of mine, still is. We did a lot of work together back in the day, and he used to bring everybody to my office, everybody from Scotty Pippen to uh, Penny Hardaway. Uh, I mean, uh, Scotty Pippen, Penny Hardaway, uh, Kevin Durant, um, Kevin Garnett, I mean, you, you name it. Oh, oh, tons of football players. David Terrell, Anthony Thomas, Otis Wilson, uh, Richard Dent, uh, Simeon Rice. I mean, anybody and everybody. This guy, Carl Harris, knew them all. Carl Harris was the guy who started his clothing business when LeBron James was drafted into the league, he wore a white suit. Carl Harris made it for him. Really? That's where he got his fame. Damn, that's, I, yeah. that's I an know, iconic suit, too. I know that exact yeah. like suit. And oh, yeah. I could see the picture. Well, literally. if you remember, there was a picture posted of me wearing that suit. You next, just wore that suit when next, we were... Next to LeBron James, and Carl Harris made that for me, and I still have it today. Wait, was that the suit you just yeah, wore in the Bahamas? I just, just wore it in the Bahamas. No way. You yeah. didn't tell me that. Yeah, you know, I I'm, I keep some things to myself. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so back to R. Kelly. When I first met him, this guy sucked at basketball. I mean, terrible. Where, where did you meet him? Carl Harris brought him to my office, and uh, and I knew who he was, you know. Because back in the day, I always believed that I could fly. <laughs> you know, I always believed that I could touch the sky. Yeah. You did? I did. Were yeah. you dunking at all? You know, I never was able to dunk, but I did have a bet with somebody once. $1,000 bet. They said I couldn't, couldn't touch the rim. And I said, bet. They're like, bet. <laughs> and they're like, how much you want to bet? I go, let's bet, it. Let's bet a G. And uh, the guy's like, Psh. Bet 10 G's. I go, buddy, I would bet 10 G's, but I know you couldn't pay me. I know you could pay me a G, 
What's better? He goes, you can't touch that rim. You know, I'm five foot nine and a half, five foot ten on a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, when I put my lifts in my shoes, <laughs> you know, and uh, back then I was 210 pounds and just all ripped the shreds, jacked muscles, you know, worked out a lot. No steroids, but just always worked out. And uh, we had a bet. So, you know what? I won that bet. You so know, you did know. you just get in the gym and work on your vertical or fuck the vertical? You know, I what just I, did that shit. You, you know what? I or did? you just went straight up and grabbed that. Do you know what I did? What'd you do, Paul? I grabbed the net and I pulled myself up, did a pull up and I touched the fucking rim. So he <laughs> lost. No, no way. Yeah. I would not have given you the thousand. There's no. Why? I touched the rim. I touched the rim. Would, would you give him the thousand for doing that? No. Oh, <laughs> There's no way. Oh, he paid me. He paid me. Everybody, <laughs> I would, everybody in his gym saw it. Everybody, everybody saw everything. He paid. There was, he, had no, he, he had no qualms paying me. He goes, you got me. He goes, you got me. That's actually fucking hilarious. Yeah, so, so at the, at the time where you were uh, hooping with R. Kelly, was he an artist already? Like, was he already doing his oh, thing? Yeah, he was big time. Okay. He was a big time artist, and he loved basketball. Loved it. So we used to play every day, and he had his bodyguards with him, his whole crew, his whole posse, and uh, he didn't like too many people and talked to too many people. Yeah. He, he thought he was so arrogant. But me, guy loved me. And you know why he loved me? Because when he introduced himself to everybody, he said, yeah, you guys, you want to play ball with me? You call me Allah. And like I, God? Like God. No. And, and I said, listen. I said, hey, Rob. I said, I don't care who you are, who you think you are, or your music. I said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I go, I'm not calling any man God. He wanted you to call him Allah. Not just me, everybody. What? And and we all laughed at him or whatever, but... uh, Like, he was dead serious? Dead serious. But I was the only one who spoke back, talked back to him, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know how you are. And he had a big bodyguard, and I told his bodyguard to, uh, you know, shut the fuck up, you know, (laughs) and to sit the fuck down on the bench. I said, who the fuck do you think you are? You know, and the guy sat back down. You know, he didn't want any shit. Yeah. And uh, Rob goes there laughing. He goes, you know what? Paulie, I like you. You can call me Rob. And, and, you know, since then, you know... uh, we were friends. We were friends for a long time. And uh, it's sad because, you know what? He's misunderstood. He actually was a good guy until I met him out one night on the street downtown Chicago. And he was with his group. And I had my kids with me. And my daughter was 12 years old. And he goes, hey, baby girl, come on over here and give Uncle Rob a hug. And I think to myself, that's fucking weird. And uh, my daughter was obsessed with R. Kelly. She went right over and gave him a hug. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a year later, this, all this shit came out about him. And I'm like, ah, oh, God, this it can't be true. I don't believe it. He, I mean, what kind of a guy would want to be with little girls, you know? I mean, listen, I don't judge anybody, but you know what? At least get their ID Make sure they're 18. Mm-hmm. You want to be a younger girl, 18, you know, yeah, no, that's, that's Make sure they're legal, you know, and, you know, he would have been in no trouble. But then the stuff he was doing with these girls and everything, I mean, just it's a sickness. No, it I, don't, it's, I don't. It's a sickness. I don't. I don't support any of that. No, sick. It's, that's, sick. That's, it's a sickness. That is the most messed up thing. Well, like, I could think of some other messed up things. Well, there's a but, lot of messed up things, yeah. but that is definitely that's up there. Up. It's, it's up there. It's up there. It's so, up there. You know what he did to these girls I and 
I don't even blame him as much as I blame the girl's parents for allowing it. You know, well, what they, do you mean the girl's parents allowing so it? So a, a thing that they would do would be they would send uh, these girls to R. Kelly's house. They would yeah. because he was R. Kelly. They would literally yeah. be like 13, yeah, 14, go. 15 years old. Wait, the parents hang, would? The parents yeah. would. Hanging out with R. Kelly. I mean, what kind of a parent would let your daughter I don't hey. care who it is. No yeah. fucking way I would allow that. I'm, yeah. I'm not sending now, my 13-year-old daughter to do that. If my daughter really wanted to go hang out with them that bad, I would be there with her. You're coming. 100%. Come, yeah, coming. As a parent, you, know? you would have to be there yeah, hanging so out with an adult you know, in your that it's al- age. It's a sickness. It's almost like uh, you know, that, that doctor, the gymnast doctor from Michigan State, the doctor that was with all those young girls yeah. and you know that he was uh, giving them uh, physicals and – it's 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 sick. It it's really sick, sick. It's sad. And it's, it's and sad. it's messed up. Yeah, it is. It's it's so those type of things in this world. Those things are things that I'd like to rid out. You know, I mean, people have to. They got to just uh, check themselves. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right, Polly. I got to ask you this because yes, I yes, feel buddy. like yes, buddy. You. Ask me probably, anything. probably the best conversationalist I've ever met in my life. Yeah, you, that's that's you, a word, conversationalist. Yeah, you wow. like, bro, you Thank absolutely, you for the you absolutely right. like ooze confidence. I was telling my mom this before we filmed with you the other day. I was like, Paulie is a dude who I feel like doesn't know what social anxiety is. Well, here's the thing: we go everywhere, yeah. we go a lot of places, Trent, and Paulie knows everyone. everybody, everyone. Like, how is this even possible? How do you get yourself in these situations with all of these people and you always seem so comfortable? And and two, what would you say to somebody who maybe is shy and wants to learn how to be that type of a person? So you just have to have confidence, you know. So I've, over the years, have met a lot of people because... I have confidence. You know, I'm not afraid to talk to them. The worst, I mean, what can they say to you? No, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a old school mentality of a salesperson, you know, the, it's almost like Wayne Gretzky said, you miss every shot that you don't take, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like Michael Jordan, you know, Damon John, you know, take the shot. You know, so if you don't talk to people, if you don't ask, you're not going to get anywhere in life. You you're missing need, out on opportunities. You, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are very introverted, very shy, this and that. You got to work on it. You know, you got to start talking to your friends. You got to talk to your family. You got to you know, just talk, ask questions. I was always very fortunate. I was very inquisitive as a kid. I always asked um my mom, she was a huge role model of my, myself. You know, she always encouraged, you know, talking. Where some parents say, you know, to kids, you know, oh, you need to be seen and not heard. You know, some, you know, shut the fuck up. Don't do this. You know, boom, you get slapped. I mean, there are some parents that don't encourage their kids. My mom always encouraged us. And I think I, I have an uncle uh, who's in Detroit who's a big-time attorney, you know, and he's a uh, – He's a litigated attorney, divorce attorney, a criminal attorney, and had the gift of gab, you know. So when I was young, I listened. I always listened to 
all of my uh, family and friends and, and I learned. And one thing is too, I, I started to read a lot, you know, knowledge is power. So when you have knowledge about subjects and you know what you're talking about, you could talk to anybody about anything. So I encourage all this, the younger generation, get off your phones playing games and all this stuff. Read, 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 read. There is so much out there to learn, things that I don't even know about that I'm learning every single day about technology, artificial intelligence, about everything that develops. You know, when I was a kid, I hated science. Now science is one of my favorite topics in the world. I mean, I love science. I mean, science is, is it's unbelievable. I mean, it's a, I used to believe in, you know, Adam and Eve and about everything. Now I believe in science, you know. I say this to everybody. How in the hell can all those Hebrew slaves have built these thousand-ton uh, pyramids in Egypt? Yeah. How can they do that? And how did they get? Where did they get the ropes from to pull all these That's bricks a and everything? You very know? So, interesting topic. So it's hard to build these everything with with all the equipment that we have, the the, the cranes and everything. I mean, how in the world are are I don't care how many people you have pulling a rope. How's a rope going to be able to pull a thousand ton brick? But but you know, the thing is, it's so high and everything. Every single one of those blocks had to have been placed perfectly. perfectly. And perfectly. They, they all have to be in the like made the in the right dimensions and, made, and everything, too. And how did they make them? That's what I'm saying. They, know, aliens. they had to be in the right dimensions. Everything had you know, to be it's even. It's got to be aliens. Aliens is a strange word. Okay. I don't believe in aliens, but I do believe there's another life form out there. I don't believe that just here on Earth we're the only living beings. There can be on another planet somewhere that we haven't even discovered yet, people just like us. You know, who knows? Who knows what is out there? And you know what? In my lifetime, unfortunately, I probably won't even know. You guys might. But what I love now is even our governments, start, all the governments around the world, they're starting to accept aliens, per se. Oh, no, they are. You know, There's, it's, it's a big thing. They have... I, I just saw this the other day on um, Instagram that I think they have over 180 planets that they found that are Earth-like planets, and there's zero chance that there's planets right. that have water, grass, everything, oh. and there's nothing there. Wow. They have to at least have organisms there that are living and breathing. Something. Something's got to be there, something, right? Something. If, even if it doesn't look like us, there's something. You know, I don't believe in spirits and ghosts and all that stuff, but... There's got to be when people they, they came from somewhere. So there is other life forms that are out there. Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that. I do, too, because I I mean, we all know this, especially if you if you believe in sci science, you know, this whole universe is endless, endless. The fact it's that endless. we could think that we're the only people like things here that are like living and breathing is kind of fucking ignorant. Like it's ignorant. It's it's just no, it's not ignorant. It's uneducated. Yeah. And it's not. It's because we don't have the education, you know. Kudos to Elon Musk. Some people think he's whacked. I think the guy is a genius. I think he is a guru. What he's done in such a short period of time, building spaceships and launching them, you know, our own government, the, our, the world's own government hasn't even done this. No. You know, we just, you know, Elon Musk has done in such a short period of time and built this business and everything in the electric vehicle and everything. He's, he's out there. He thinks out of the box and that's what i encourage everybody to do in this life is think out of the box if you think out of the box and you're creative 
it's the sky's the limit. It's endless. Mm-hmm. You know, you can conquer the world. You really can. You know, 100%. you know, you just have to be a not dreams. You can't be a dreamer. You have to be a visionary and you have to act upon your visions for your dreams to come true. That's what you need. So like yours sign right here dreams 22 reality you had dreams you know you were born and raised you know and you parents were divorced you slept in a basically a cot out of a closet and look where you are today you have your own mansion in kenosha you built this all on your own nobody gave you anything you did so on your own you had dreams you acted on your dreams you worked your ass off and you're still working your ass off which i give you all the credit in the world for you know so if you don't work for things in life, you won't achieve them. My generation, we're guilty. We're guilty of working our asses off and then giving our kids things that we didn't have. So we have to step, take a step back, and we have to teach our kids now how to work their ass off and be impressive yeah. and stop giving them everything. Yeah. It's too easy to be given something. you know. But it's my guilt. It's my guilt that I, what I do for my kids. I love my kids to death. And uh, being from a divorce, my parents are divorced, I'm divorced, you know, you have guilt and you want to make sure your kids are okay. That's, a, that, that's top priority in my life is make sure my children are okay and everybody else around there. I like making sure people are okay. Especially, I like helping out and giving back. Especially when you, like, when you start making money, if you're like, damn, I didn't have this. You, it's just something you want to do. You need to, you, you really yeah. just want to have the people around you be taken care of. That's just an important thing. You know. Trent, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, you know, so uh, made a lot of money, lost more money than I've ever made, mm-hmm. made it back, lost it again, made it back, you know, so you, every step of the way are building stones and building blocks, and hopefully you learn from your lessons and you keep climbing up that ladder, you know, but I'll never be where some people are, but I don't compare myself to anybody. I'm happy with myself. I am very successful. For myself, you know, so I, I don't compare myself to Steve or Jack or Joe or John or or Thad. We all know Thad. I am grateful for all of my friends and I am so happy for all their success. A lot of people get jealous of their friends success or whatever. I love it when I somebody tells me a success story and they achieve it. I love it. I'm the same way. I love to see people around me be successful. And you like to be you like to have winners around you nobody likes to have losers around them that bring you down but i'm different i like to take somebody per se that is a loser and bring them up and make them a winner and show them the way and uh, you you know what you can't really show them but you could guide them and help them you know you could show them help them guide them but it's on them to take that knowledge yeah there's an there's an old saying you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man how to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I like to share my knowledge with people, no matter how young, old, rich, or poor, and I like to teach them. You know, And I'm no teacher, but I like to teach whatever my knowledge that has been given to me in any way it's been given to me. And I have knowledge from all aspects of all over the world, and I could tell you this today, if today was my last day, I have checked off my bucket list probably 99% of the things. Damn, that's a 
that's a real quote. Like that's like that's deep if you really think about it. Ninety nine percent. I've done pretty much everything I've wanted to do in my life. I've achieved everything pretty much I've wanted to achieve in my life. You know, I still have some goals. Still have you know a lot of. I'm sure there's some things you want to do that you haven't done though. But you know, you know, I there's a lot I want to do. But now I I like to do it for my children, Mm -hmm. for everybody else. You know, I like to I really like to give back and help people out. You know, that's that's what my life is about now. It's about helping people out. You know, who who need the help the most. Mm -hmm. So who want the help? Everybody can ask for help, but if you really don't want it, you know, my philosophy is if you're not willing to give a little bit, fuck them, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, you have to... Said fuck them. You have to... It's not about getting handouts. Yeah. You know, it's about people having to... <coughs> people have to want to put the work in, put the effort in. 100%. You know, so I strongly believe... Listen, it it might be a joke, but I've had so many people asking me to run for mayor of Chicago. And I said, I'd laugh. I'm like, nah, I can't. <laughs> I can't. But, you know, you and I, you know, we met Lori Lightfoot. You know, we had dinner with her. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, the mayor of Chicago. Yeah. And for such a short lady, she's got those big shoulders of the city on her back. You know, I mean, she's, uh, it's tough for her. A lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. And. You know what? I don't know if I would want that job. I don't know if I want the job being a president. I don't know if I want a job of being a politician. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. And you go gray real fast. But I gave her an idea when we met her. I said, and I called her Lori. I said, Lori, I said, there's so many people out there who are homeless right now in our city. They don't have anywhere to live. They're putting tents up. They're putting these garbage bags up. They're sleeping on the streets. I go, what is wrong with this? I go, if I was mayor, I told her, I said, you know what I'd do? I would make and buy mini homes for people, but I wouldn't give it to them. You know what a mini home is? It's probably like 300, 400 square feet, a shed pretty much, but it has a bed in there. It has... A kitchen, it has a bathroom, it has a shower. Everything you need to live. Everything you need to live, and everything is compact. And it's, you know, it's like living in New York City in an apartment. Yeah. You know, everything, the way they build them, it's on everybody, everything folds out and it's hidden. And And how much (laughs) do those cost? You know, 5,000, maybe 10,000. Really? You know, so So I. So not, they're not crazy crazy expensive. Not at all. And, And I told her, I said, listen. But just don't give them to people, you know, have them work, you know, have them do something, have them, you know, <laughs> landscaping, clean the streets, you know, do, you know, you know, waste management, do stuff around the city, stuff around the city, you know, I, I give them responsibility. And you know what, Lori, then you say, and I'll give you a home, but you need to do this. And you know what, on top of that home, let's pay them, let's pay them a salary. Let's pay them a wage, you know, so they have to pay rent on their home. If it's $100 a month, if it's $200 a month, let's help these people out. I mean, it's it's really getting bad. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, uh, job market's terrible. Gas prices are through the roof. The economy right now is not doing too well. 
you know, but it'll come back. You got to be positive. You know, I've seen this. I've seen this happen before, and it's a cycle. Like I said, it everything is a, is a roller coaster. Goes up and down, sideways, spins around, and hopefully, when it's all over, you land up on top. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk to Paul about, you know, what what do you do? You run you run a multi million dollar business out of Chicago. You've, you know, what 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 do, what do they call your job? Like, what do you do? I sell T-shirts. I mean, what do you mean? What do I do? I make T-shirts. <laughs> I put logos on them. I sell them. That's what I do. Like, f- yeah. but you, but you could put someone's logo on anything. Yeah. And you're doing this yeah, for people. But, but you know, I'm humble. You know, I, I like uh, my ex-wife. She used to get so mad when, because she felt like that it was like degrading or if it was like not a real career or whatever when people said what do you do for a living and i said i sell t-shirts and she used to get so pissed at me (laughs) you know like the image you know wasn't her image you know she wanted a high society you know with a career this and that i didn't care i liked saying i sold t-shirts because that's how i started in business i started university wisconsin uh Actually, my roommate uh, now owns a company called Wheels Up. Uh, you've met him, Kenny Dichter. Yeah, we were out in the Bahamas with him. Yeah. Great, great guy. Great guy. And you know what? It was actually, he started doing it. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it too. And I did. You know, I I was hungry. Freshman in college. I started making all sorts of t-shirts. Started having uh uh, selling to fraternity, sorority, selling to businesses. I had, when I was a freshman, every stand around the stadium of University of Wisconsin Camp Randall. Hired all the Pledge Brothers, paid them $2 a T-shirt. You know, we were selling thousands and thousands of T-shirts. And from the T-shirts we made, we went into ponchos. We went into uh, uh, hooded sweatshirts. We went into hats. We went into... Regular sweatshirts, long sleeve t-shirts, sweatpants, <coughs> uh, uh, all those boxer shorts that the girls, anything, anything we could sell, we could put Bucky Badger on, we did. But you were doing this every home game, every like home every football home game. game, like basketball game or football. Uh, we, did, what we, are, we did some basketball, but basketball wasn't, when I was in school, it was big, but Wisconsin was just average, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't that good. And football was like, football was, football. Wisconsin has yeah. you know, always been the Badgers, Wisconsin. They always, always will be. Yeah, they always will be. Yeah. Powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how much would you make a weekend doing this? Uh, here, I'm going to tell you this again, a lot. You know, I'm not going to give you actual numbers. I just don't want it to be out there. But a lot. It could have been for anybody an amazing career. You know, most people have been an amazing career. Myself, it was a lot, but... It wasn't enough. I wanted more. I always wanted more. I always wanted to achieve more, bigger, better, more. And the reason why is because I was young, impressionable, and I thought that materialistic things would impress people. You know what? So I wanted to have all this money so I could buy all the materialistic like things. Like the Gucci, the Louis, the the clothing. You're talking about that type of shit yeah, to look the, fancy and well, look and, good. And the cars. The and watches, the cars. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> the chicks. The cellular phones. The back when I was in, when I was the flip phones. Not flip phones. See, <laughs> we had something called a bag phone. First, we had a car phone that was installed in your car. Then it turned in. Yeah, it was in your car. Wait, is this when cell phones first came out? Yeah, they, um, there was an antenna they put on top of your car. It was a cell phone that was installed into your car, worked to your car, couldn't remove it. Then they came up with a bag phone. It was this big bag, like a briefcase. You walked around, you know, almost like an old school. Like if you ever see the old school army movies when uh, they pull out their their radio or whatever when they're in the field. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was like that. And then they came out with a thing that's called a brick phone. It looked like a brick. Yep. With an antenna on it. Yep. And then, then came the flip phone, the Motorola StarTac. And everybody <laughs> wanted to have it. And I, of course, wanted the best one. You know, they had limited edition ones, this and that. I did you, get, did you get the best one? I got it. That but was you a, worked your ass off for it. But I was stupid and I was young. And instead of buying all that stuff and all the shoes and all the toys and everything, I should have bought a gold coin, you know, and put it away, invested it, you know, but you don't think, you know, the smart people thought I didn't, you know, because I wanted to be a big shot, you know, and eventually. Well, I think everybody who has gotten a taste of success has definitely gone through that phase where like, oh, shit, I'm making some decent money. Like even I went through that shit. You did. And what did I tell you? Fuck, you told me a lot of things, Paul. Yeah. I said, stop fucking spending that money. Put it away. Put it away. Invest it. Buy a home. Buy an apartment complex. Don't waste all your money on the cars and the shoes and the Louis and the Gucci's. The Louis, the Dewey's, the Zooey's, the, <laughs> you know, Dior. You know no, he's, I mean? he's <laughs> right, though. He's right. I, I learned my lesson um, because, you know... Start making a little bit of money. I go down to the Gucci store and spend like twenty thousand. I remember, and I'm like, "What are you doing, you and fucking idiot?" <laughs> I know, I know, and I, and I'm lucky to have somebody around like you to, you know, pull me aside and say, "Tristan, you can't do this shit." I'm like, yeah, you're making all this. You got taxes to pay. Yeah. Um, at the same time, which I didn't even really know about. I told you, make sure you pay your taxes. That's important. Trust me, I know that firsthand. Yeah. So. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Paul for the for the mentorship. Yeah, it's a uh, when you come into some money, first thing you people want to do. I, and I remember this when I was a kid. My mom was a salesman, a sales sales lady. She sold furniture for a company called Buckstaff out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and she got a commission check when we were kids for ten thousand dollars. And I remember two weeks go by, there was nothing left. <laughs> and this is when I was a kid. She went and bought everything. And I'm like, Mom, we need milk. We need eggs. We need cereal. This and that. Oh, uh, get it from your dad. I don't have any money left. I mean, it's burned through her pockets. Yeah. You know, it's important for long term. I preach, preach, save your money. Always have a nest egg put away for the rainy day because that rainy day happens to everybody. I don't care who. Who you are and how rich you are, it happens. Look at Elon Musk. He's going through a rainy day right now. Yeah. He's not struggling, you know, but he's lost a lot of money. 
yeah hundreds of billions of dollars right yeah yeah and i mean hundreds of billion dollars hundreds of billions of dollars is still a lot even to someone like him like a it's a lot. shit that, that ain't nothing small to him just give me a give me a hundred mil or something <laughs> you know what here's the thing honestly you don't even need a hundred mil no you don't you, you don't you don't you you know you, yeah. once you make your first million of course you want to make your next million five million ten million you want to keep on making it but you don't need it. I've learned. I learned the hard way, and you know I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go about how I learned the hard way, but I'm gonna tell you this. You don't need all the things you think you need. No. You can live out of a. A ten by ten. Out of a locker, and have everything you need to survive, to survive in life and to be happy. See. The that's happy wealth comes that's how from, Trent is. No, that's interesting comes to from me. Inside, it's, it's interesting to me because happiness comes from inside. Tristan has always been like to me, like I want to be a billionaire. I I don't want to be a billionaire. That's never been a goal of mine at all. Like I I always have thought if I am working towards a billion dollars, that I've worked way longer than I needed to work, and I could have been happy at forty million. You forty million. <laughs> like I could, hey, like I could have. That, that's still that, not. You know, no, no, that's a lot of money. Listen, I'm just saying. Like I know, but let me. What tell do you. I need to get to a billion for? Listen, let me tell you something. Money does not make anybody happy. No, not at all. It actually, the more money you have, the more problems you have. Money helps. It helps you enjoy things in life. It helps and you with your just family. security. It's security. It helps you. There's something to be said for. Not having to worry about how you're going to pay for your next meal, mm-hmm. how you're not going to pay for your monthly mortgage or your rent, yeah. how you're not going to, how am I going to be able to afford my gas, my car payment? There's something to be said to work towards those goals that you can achieve it, so you don't have to worry. Yeah, you know that's the biggest thing. You so you don't have to worry. So money helps in a sense to make things a little easier in life. But it certainly doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. It'll never make you happy. If you're unhappy before money, you'll be ha- unhappy after. You have to learn how to be happy with yourself from the inside out. And once you achieve that, you could be happy with anything you have. And you have to be able to set goals in life, achieve those goals, take baby steps, walk before you run. I mean, all the cliches in the world. They're so true. Somebody made them up. I just use them every day. I <laughs> love fucking cliches. Cliches are there for a reason. I'm a they man really are. Of cliches, and I, you know, I always say, "Fuck them." It is what it is. You we, know, we say them a I lot, mean, and it's, it sounds it's, corny, but they're really there for a reason. <laughs> they are there for a reason. People made them up. Donald Trump, he's the king of cliches. He says them all. You know what? Fuck them. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> hey. <laughs> You know, is that one of them? (laughs) No, I mean, that's you got. I feel like you got to kind of have that mentality to succeed in life. Well, yeah, I I think so, because a lot of people have opinions about other people. You can't let other people's opinions. Interesting. You know what? Opinions are like assholes. We all have one, you know, so, (laughs) you know. That's another uh, saying right there. Yeah. And assumptions. You yeah. Know, when you assume, 
you make an ass out of you and me. So, you know, and another good one is too is what's the meaning of business? Mind your own business and say the fuck out of mine. You know, those are all words to live by. Mm-hmm. You know, and then mm-hmm. you'll you'll be better better off, you know. And the people that gossip and brag and this and that, you know, a, a, a good friend, an old friend of mine who's no longer with us, uh, he died at a young age, but his big thing was, hey, yo, Paulie, you know why there's so many fucking fishes swimming in the sea? And I'm like, why? He goes, because they didn't open their fucking mouths. They kept their mouth shut. So they, mm. they, that hook never got them. You know, mm. so there's all sorts of things, you know, and and words to live by. So, OK, I wanted to ask this, too, because yeah. obviously you're like three, four years older than me or whatever. I'm 38. No, you're a couple of years older than me. That's it. Yeah. Um. So how I, I've always struggled with this. So let's say like I have a song and you struggled I, with a lot of things. It. <laughs> You have a song, you said? Hell no, a song. Oh. Let's let's say I have a song, right? And there was a time where I could be so happy with getting 100,000 streams, but then, like, let's say now. That means nothing to me. How, as you get older, do you, like, feel grateful for certain things? Because I've always struggled with feeling grateful for shit that would have made me so fucking happy getting it a couple of years ago. I'm confused. Like, like you know how there's certain things where you've chased them, but then you get these things, and they no longer mean anything to you because it was just something mm, that you got yeah. used to having. Like my ex-wife. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No. Here's the biggest thing. Never chase anything in life. Don't ever chase it. It will come. If it's meant to be, it will come. Don't chase. Okay. But you have to work for. But don't chase. Don't beg. Don't borrow. Don't steal. It will come. Yeah, my pops always said, work hard, don't complain. Yes. Straight up. Work hard. Hard work Work will solve every problem. Hard work. You put the time in. You put the work in. Good things will come. I promise you. Yeah. And I, you know what, Trent? You're working hard. I've listened to some of your music. Some of it I don't understand what the fuck you're saying, but I like the beat. It's a catchy beat. I mean, you got, you know, I, and I I think one day you will, I think you've already made it, but I think one day your music will take off and it will be. To the next the, level. The, the thing about the music business, Tough you one. have to have something. You have to have a phrase, uh, what is it called, uh, in your lyrics uh, that repeats, uh, like a... A hook? A hook. You yeah. got to have a fucking hook. Mm-hmm. And... A catchy a hook. A catchy hook for the massives. Yep. And if it goes out to the massives, you made it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... And then once you make your first song, you don't want to be a one-hit wonder, you know? Hell you no. want to keep on going, so... But you just... You have a, you have a, a good voice, you know? You're, you're good. You have good lyrics. You're smart. You're young. You know, you got... The look, I think. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want. Your, I wouldn't want your look, but I mean, you know, everyone would. You know, I mean, I know you say everybody would, but <laughs> it's just not my taste. <laughs> you know? Like as Tristan, when I first told him, I said, "What the fuck's up with your hair?" You know what he said? At least I got here, buddy. <laughs> and it's like, all right, you win. 
So uh, yes, yeah. sir. Had to get his ass. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not looking back though, Paul. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. My hair was a little crazy. It, it was crazy. <laughs> Is at one hair? Po- at, no, it not the straight hair. Okay. At oh. one point when I like yeah. was just like, growing my hair out and I wasn't really getting it like perm. Like, yeah, no. It just looked and goofy. Like, you cheesehead motherfucker from Wisconsin. Get a haircut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me get you a new barber. You did look like a block of cheese at a certain point. Yeah. In time. I did. <laughs> I did. And speaking about hair, let's talk about a guy who I knew, who I do still know, always loved him, one of my dear friends, who went bald for a long time, and now he has a full head of fucking uh, hair. I know exactly <laughs> yeah. who he's going to see because every time I go to the O'Hare Airport in Chicago, I see a billboard of them. You always see that always. billboard. Always. If you're in the Chicago area by O'Hare and you drive past, you know what we're talking about. You just got to look up. Everybody knows. Everybody, I think everybody even knows. It's Hair Locker. Brian O'Hare <laughs> Locker. I mean, yep. you know. So you met Brian. Great dude. I fucking, fucking love that guy. Solid, just like straight solid, up. Like, you know when you. Up, he's real. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, and I've taught Brian this, you know, he's a little younger than me over the years. I taught him and I told him and he he's real. I'm real. You mm-hmm. say it like it is. You know, I'm not Willy Wonka. I don't sugarcoat. That's why sometimes people like me. Sometimes they don't. But you have to be real in this world. You have you know, to. people read through all your fake, you know, bullshit and phoniness. You're real. You talk to all the kids. You're good with the kids. You're good with the people. You're real. Brian, he didn't care what color you were, what religious, what religion you were, what nationality, where you're from, how much money you had. If he liked you, he liked you. He's real. Mm-hmm. You know? That's how, that's how it should be, yeah, though. And that's how it should be, you know? He didn't care if you were the busboy, the dishwasher, the owner. If you were his friend, you're his friend. And that's how I've always lived that way, and that's how I... I got I, a, I got a quote that I got to say. Yeah. Treat the CEO with the same respect as the janitor. Absolutely. Or treat the janitor with the same respect as you treat the CEO. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I live by that shit. And most CEOs, they do. And that's why they're CEOs. Mm-hmm. 100%. But yeah, sorry. So. Get back to what you were saying, Brian Erlacher. Yeah, so we were, um, and it's funny, so in 2006... I, I had this idea because I'm, I'm left-handed and I'm creative. I think out of the box. And I always loved the poster, Michael Jordan Wings, when he was in his black and white poster, palming yeah, the basketball. Yeah, he sh- stretched his wings. arms out. Yeah. So Bears were doing great. Brian was having the year of his life. Bears were going to the Super Bowl. So I said, hey, Brian, I go, I got a great idea. And I, by the way, I used to play basketball with Brian all the time and his brother Casey great athletes brian you know i dunked on brian you know and i blocked his <laughs> shot a few times but other than that you know great basketball player and we used to play during his career you know he didn't care about getting hurt or anything he actually just having fun having fun um i said brian why don't we make a poster of you he's like what are you talking about paulie i don't need a poster i don't want a poster i go yeah but brian you know what i can use it you know it could help me out a little bit if we do it he'll what, what are you, what's your idea? I said, why don't we make a poster of you copying the Michael Jordan Wings poster and call it 
bear hug. Mm. And he's like, that's what he said. He goes, oh. he goes, you know what, Paul? He goes, I kind of like it. He goes, can you come up with something? So I did. We went. We did. A, we hired a photographer, a professional photographer. We did a photo shoot with Brian, and uh, and it turned out amazing. And it was to this day, it was called. It's called the Brian Urlacher Bear Hug Poster. You've seen it. It's hanging in my office. I've seen it. I've seen it hung up in like bars, bars. restaurants. Everybody went nuts no for bullshit. This, this thing that Paulie created with yeah. Brian was like. It's like all over. It's cra- kind of crazy. It's, his life, it's a life-size poster of him of his wingspan. I think we sold, you know, maybe a million of them. Really? Yeah, we sold them. Uh, Damn. And nobody wanted them at first. And I was out there every day hustling. And finally, uh, Dominic's Grocery Store, which was a big grocery store and chain out of Illinois. I think they had maybe uh, 300 locations. Uh, we packaged them in 50. And rolled them up in tubes and sold them for nine ninety five at the at the grocery store at the front of the cash registers, and they sold and sold and sold. We were able to sell a million like that. Yeah, and then um, wow, and I think we did uh, maybe a thousand uh, limited edition uh, ones where Brian signed them. Mm-hmm. And smart, uh, you know, a thousand. We he signed them in a silver pen, and I think we did about five hundred that he signed in a gold a gold sharpie. Mm. You're great. So, gotta love Brian Urlacher, one of the greatest guys. We brought him up just now because of the hair. Yeah, yeah. no, but he. We were just so, with so him. We were here. We in, were actually just literally with Brian. What last? I think it was October. We were here for <sighs> one. I don't even remember. Well, what, we we came here. What were we doing here? Was it for the event? Was it? I don't know. I don't know if it was Brayden's birthday. Your, your son, Braden's Braden say in March. I don't there. remember. Anyways, but we're here with, and so, we we see Brian. Wait a second. I, I, he comes I up to I, you. I didn't see him. He's, I, I, listen, <laughs> my eyes, you know, as I get older, I play with the different contacts. It's different, some for far, some for near, this and that. And my eye doctor, you know, she's a great doctor and everything, but she, like, teases my eyes. You know, sometimes I... You know, she goes, oh, you want to see your cell phone? Let's go with different prescriptions. You can see that perfectly. Oh, but you won't be able to see far. But if you want to see far, we got to go with this prescription. Anyways, I we were walking through uh, high rollers. from the room, the high rollers room. Yep. We were walking through there to go to our event. And all of a sudden, I'm like, huh, that guy looks familiar. Why is all the people around him? And all of a sudden, he stands up, and he's like, oh, Polly. And I'm just like, guy's skinny, tall, jacked. And it has hair. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like he's got go, hair. But, he, but I go, but he looks familiar. And what I haven't seen him since he left Chicago. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we start getting closer, closer. I'm like Brian. And uh, we walked right up to him. He gave me a big, big bear hug. You know. Yeah. I introduced him to you. And he goes, Oh yeah, I'm a fan of yours. I, I see your videos. You're a cool dude. This and that. So you guys talked and uh, yeah, ended up gambling with him for a while that night. He's you did not me. I don't gamble. But he's a he's a good gambler. You know, he, he likes it, he enjoys it, but he only bets what he can afford to lose and he normally wins, you know, and he, he he enjoys it. He does it for entertainment purposes. And that's what it is, entertainment. He was out here playing golf. He was in a golf tournament. So yeah. we gotta go golfing with him. I know he uh he actually texted me on Instagram after we met him and he's like right. yo, let me know. Let's do some golf. Yeah. We still got to do that. We got to yeah. get on the golf course with him. Yeah, he's in Arizona, and uh, 
what's great about him, he has this um, this snake that he keeps in his bag. A and snake? A snake. It's it, I forgot the name of the snake, uh, but it looks like a real like rattlesnake. And he throws it out like when somebody's not looking and, and puts it like on the course or near their bag or this and that. And he puts up these videos where people just like scream and freak out. One guy <laughs> fell right on his ass <laughs> trying to run from it. I mean, it's it's funny. That's what he does. He does that. Uh, That's awesome. And, and one thing about him, he's a huge fisherman, huge fisherman. He goes to uh, um, Naples. He has a boat called the Linebacker, and uh, and he goes fishing. He loves it. So speaking of gambling with famous people i think this is a must that we need to talk about this on this podcast you've gambled with michael jordan before i have i need to hear this story yes yeah, so do i i don't know anything about it actually so michael's a friend of mine and i really yeah, you just you just know everybody so we used to play basketball together <laughs> He's played basketball with everybody Fucking everyone bro You yeah. should have just went through the league So Michael's big thing was There's a club that we belonged to together And uh, his, He used to come up and play And work out there And uh, a, good, a good friend of ours Tim Grover uh, Was Michael Jordan's trainer Forever And uh, people used to come up there and work out and they didn't want to be bothered well you know me of course i bothered him you know so when michael's doing his drills and working out and taking his thousand shots you know i'd go up and i'd talk to him and talk to tim and bullshit and have fun and whatever and uh that's how i became friend with michael you know he didn't he's like Paulie, he's the type of guy who doesn't give a shit. You know, he just comes up. Everybody else, everybody's afraid. They couldn't approach him, this and that. I walked right up to him. And Tim, as you know, because you met Tim Grover before, he came right up to us at our table at Mastro's at dinner that night. Yeah. You know, we started talking. I didn't see Tim in years. Um, so, Michael, people were like saying, Michael, were you playing a pickup game here at the club? Were you playing a pickup game? He's like, all right, all right. So, Michael started playing a pickup games with us during the offseason. And uh, he had this joke. He always said, all right, let's pick the teams. The best and the worst. So he, always, he said, Paula, you're with me, the best and the worst. <laughs> and uh, I used to, uh, you know, we laughed about it, but you could tell me what I did for Michael on the court. What did I do for Michael? Oh, I already know, because you do it for me when we play pickup. Yeah, right. Paulie sets the best fucking screens ever. Ever. Hall, you, of, Hall of Fame brick Hall wall. Of, Hall, of frame, Hall of Fame brick wall. Nobody is running through Paul. Nobody. Really? To be honest with you, there really haven't, hasn't been too many people that have run through me. And I used to do that for Michael, and he always used to laugh. He's like, Paulie. I don't need a fucking screen. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, Michael, shut up. Yes, you do. Just take the shot. And he'd take the shot, and we, we'd win every every single game. We'd never lose. Of course you did. Never lose. Yeah. Michael was uh, – he was a lot of fun. Um, I actually uh, took a guy to play with him. To, you know, I brought him to the club. 
you know, because I felt bad. And this guy, he's like, yeah, I hear you, you know, Michael, this and that. And this guy was, uh, you know, a street guy, did some things on the street. And mm-hmm. But, you know, me, I never judged whatever. I liked everybody. This guy was 6'11". Was he a hooper? He was a street hooper. Okay. And you know what he did? <laughs> Him and Michael were playing a game up to 11. Michael goes, yeah, you take the ball out first. He took the ball out. He dunked on Michael. No. He disrespected Whoa. Michael's ass. Well. No. Neither, yeah. Like, and this is when no cameras are around. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. And this guy, you met him actually. He was at my youngest son's graduation party. T- real tall guy. Uh, and uh, Was Michael pissed? His name was Eric. Michael laughed. He had a smile on his face. He's like, all right, no problem. Michael beat him 11 to 1. <laughs> and, and this guy, I think, oh maybe was thrown on his ass maybe six times, you know, Michael pushing up and just throwing him on his ass. You know, you, you, they don't look that strong, but you can never underestimate the strength of a pro athlete. No. Especially a pro basketball player. They have that that lower body strength. I mean, it is just you know, they can't fight worth a shit. Yeah. But, you know, they have that that strength, you know, LeBron, I mean all these the, you know, the way they jump and oh, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you can never underestimate the strength of a pro athlete. Somebody's yeah. done this their entire well, life. Well, especially Michael working with Tim Grover, oh, one of the greatest trainers of one, all time. One of the best. One of the Still best. one of the best. Still one of the best. Still has some of the best motivational books out. Oh, yeah. Like, dead ass. Yeah, Tim's good. And Tim's a great, great guy. So, yeah, so Michael, we gambled. Uh, yeah, so we'll, I want to hear some gambling <laughs> stories with yeah, Michael. You know, I, the thing is, Tristan, I, I would love to tell you guys the stories about him, but, <laughs> you know, I just don't want to ever betray these guys' trust, you know. Yeah, just, just say I get this, it. Just say this, Michael is so much fun to gamble with, you know. Um, I mean, he's got to be a high roller. He's gotta be (laughs) he's a whale a major whale good guy great guy um and uh we've gambled a lot together you know i obviously don't bet anything like where he bet when i was betting but it was fun watching with them and hanging with them and gambling with them um i've gambled with uh matt damon what uh yeah and ben affleck uh here in vegas at the bellagio will smith uh, actually, my son uh, <laughs> Will Smith and uh, and I always forget his name, but Carlton. You know, oh hell yeah! Yeah, I forget his Fuck, real name. What is it? I forget oh. his real name, but they were they were at the Bellagio. We were checking in, and uh, and I saw him and introduced myself one time. And he always, every time I see him, he always remembers a story where a little man, a little Polly, my son Braden walked up to him because he didn't like that I was talking to this guy and Braden kicked him right in the shins. True story. And Wait, Braden kicked who in the shin? Will Smith. Braden was probably five or six years old. Walked right up to him, checking in. He goes, stop talking to my dad. Kicks him in the shin. Next no thing, way. Next, yeah, next thing I know, <laughs> Will Smith and Carlton, <clears throat> as I call him, yeah. is Carlton's dying laughing. He goes, Will, that little kid just kicked your ass. Is that? <laughs> and and then, you know, Carlton with the dance he does. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Will Smith's like, man, what the? 
he starts chasing him around the VIP check-in. Then they ran out the door, chasing him around the craps tables and the casinos. It was things you can't even make up. I mean, things that you see in movies. It was it was hilarious. Wow. Yeah, it was good. So I gambled, you know, with him. Um, a lot of athletes. Uh, Tiger Woods I gambled with. Charles Barkley. <laughs> I could tell you a story about Charles what? Barkley that will blow you away. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. We're at the Bellagio. And... Uh, <laughs> Charles is a character, real funny guy. Yeah, yeah. I was with so, him last year, All Star Weekend, actually. Yeah. So I know exactly. I was out at a bar with him, great in guy. the hotel. So, so he followed a guy into the bathroom. Yeah. He knew what he was doing, just screw around. The guy's in the stall, peeing. You yeah. Know? Charles stands behind him. And starts peeing on the floor between the guy's legs. And this guy turns around. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? Who the hell are you? He goes, oh, Ch- Charles. Oh, it's okay. And Charles goes, I had to go. You know, I mean, what? oh, it was hilarious. Charles Barkley came up behind this dude and is yeah. pissing between his legs. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's crazy. What? He's crazy. <laughs> what, yeah. the fuck? what are we hearing right now? Yeah. That's Charles. <laughs> Wow, let's talk about his golf swing. <laughs> he swings like he's a uh, baseball player. You know, he sucks. He's a terrible, <laughs> he's a terrible golfer. I think he, I th- I want to say he um, fixed his his swing though. Yeah, I, I do want to say because I yeah. saw him. I was at this thing with Steph Curry, Peyton Manning. I remember uh, that. Wherever I was, they were, they do this golf thing called the match. Yeah, and yeah, Charles yeah. Barkley was in it, and he's, I, he's actually got much better. He's gotten better. Yeah. His but. His original swing used to look like looked like he was yeah. taking a shit and then picking the golf club up back down and then hitting it. It was crazy. Kind of like Mamadou with the with this swing, right? With his Mamadou. Mamadou was trying to play golf. Well, if imagine Mamadou <laughs> trying to play golf, how long is his fucking club? Trent, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> You know, his nickname is Louisville Slugger. There's oh. a reason why we call him that. That's how long his club is. Oh my. I mean, what's wrong with you, Trent? <laughs> Dude, what the hell? Trent. Why are you talking about Mamadou's club? All right, not like that. <laughs> I don't mean that well, club, well, buddy. <laughs> that's... Well, that's what you said. No, Oh, not... my gosh. Yeah, so um, <laughs> back to uh, who else I've uh, gambled with. Um, a lot. A lot of different guys. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I mean, though. I don't, it's an unbelievable how you have put yourself in positions to just, like, always be around these people. Because Paul goes by the two words. Fuck them. Yeah, so I it's, was at a hotel here in Vegas, and uh, I was done gambling for the night. I was done. I wanted to go to bed. I was tired. You know, I won a few hundred hours, whatever it was, and... Uh, a, um, I was sitting next to a famous hockey player, one of the best hockey players in the world at the time. You didn't know, or you did know? No, I know. I, I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to sell him out. But um, I was going to bed, say good night to him. Said nice, nice to see you. Nice to play with you. Good luck, whatever. Mm-hmm. My, this is Vegas back in the day. My casino host said to me, "Cause Paulie, come here." And I'm like, yeah. And uh, I'm not going to mention his name either. You met him. And um, you met him when we were with uh, Brian Urlacher. And uh, 
he said, I go, what's up? He goes, you can't leave. I go, well, what do you mean I can't leave? He goes, I'll do whatever you need. You just have to stay here and play and play with him until he's done playing. And I think to myself, all right, I guess this guy needs me to keep him company. So, so you were trying to go to bed in this casino host, like you need to stay in. Yeah. Like, so, so this famous hockey player could lose all the money or. Well, this famous hockey player had a huge line of credit, half a million dollars. Jeez. And you know what happened at five thirty in the morning? Do you know how much money this famous hockey player had left on his line of credit? Zero. 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 <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and I uh, I actually felt terrible about it. So, terrible. Okay, if you so, had to play with him that whole time, did you did you lose all your money at the time too? No. Oh, okay, good. I didn't lose anything actually. Good, because I was gonna say if you had to play with him that whole time, it could have been a rough time for you too. Yeah, no, it wasn't rough for me. Good, but it was rough for him, and yeah. I and I and I felt bad Damn, actually afterwards. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And this famous hockey player is a really good guy. So he's retired now. Um, but this guy, famous hockey player, he had so much money, it didn't even matter. So, all right, let's on to the next subject. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Go into it. Oh, man. Let's talk about life. Life is a crazy thing. What do we want to say about life? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> like, bro, we're in Vegas right now in a 64th floor penthouse. Yeah, why are we here right now, Polly? This is crazy. So we're here this trip. Um, Tristan and I started a two reasons. Uh, for my business, I do work with hotel casinos. I manufacture a product that they sell in their stores and stuff that they give to people. With their logos on them, uh, so I had to come here for a meeting, and also um, Tristan and I started a uh, charity with a family called Buckets Over Bullying uh, to help out uh, children, people, anybody who's been uh, bullied, and especially uh, cyber bullied. Uh, there yep. was a 15-year-old basketball player that uh, unfortunately was bullied by his uh, basketball team the entire team and uh the captain of the team as long as along with everybody else on the, the text thread said uh we hate you you suck this and that i mean it's terrible calling him the n-word and the kids white mm -hmm. and everything and uh finally the captain said you know what why don't you kill yourself we hate you well needless to say it's it's terrible the uh the boy went home and he uh he hung himself, and uh, the parents found him. And so he was a fan of Tristan's. I briefly knew the family. Uh, during COVID, I dropped off uh, some gloves and some masks uh, at their house, and I gave the, the boy, I saw him in the street, I gave him a T-Jazz basketball. And uh, he's like, oh, my God, I love T-Jazz. This is my favorite basketball. Thank you so much. He was so full of, like, light and energy and happiness and and such a good kid, and it made me so happy giving him a T-Jazz basketball, uh, which I happened to have in my car because we were on our way to Vegas for a T-Jazz uh, basketball event. Mm -hmm. And so I had a, extra, some extra ones. I gave it to him. And when I found out this that he took his life and killed himself, I was 
devastated. I mean, every time I talk about it, I like get you know goosebumps and everything. I mean, it's just any child that feels a need that they can't survive and stay in this world about life, you know, stay around. It, it's just devastating to me, yeah. you know, especially a child that these should be the best years of their lives. So um, I reached out to the parents about a month after, and I reached out to the father and left him a message and told him that this is uh, one of the worst tragedies I've ever heard in my entire life. I said, you will be grieving your entire life. I said, you'll never be able to bring your son back. He said, but I have an idea where we start a uh, charity and uh, I could bring in a famous uh, social media influencer, basketball player, and we could do a lot of good. And if we saved one kid's life, you know, help one kid out, then we've won. We've done our job. And to this day, this charity has blown up, thank God, into a huge way. People reach out to us Very all the time. Quickly. Within, this was, within months. This was started what? May. Like, un- Last yeah. May. Under a yeah. year, right? Under, Under a, year. a year. Yeah. Right before school was out. Um, and we went to our first event in Oz Park. And we've had so many parents, kids, everybody reaching out to us and thanking us for doing this and thanking us for helping and you don't know what this has meant to me you you saved my life i was on the verge and i mean it just for you and i tristan it just brings tears to our eyes i mean we we are i'm so grateful that this family the bronstein family out of chicago agreed you know so Mm -hmm. rob finally called back three months after I left in the message and he's like, you know, we'd like to hear what you have to say. You know, I think we're ready. And, uh, yeah, I will, you know, it's a horrible thing that oh, happened. It's, it's devastating. And I love Rob. I love Rose. I love their family. They are great people. This should have never happened. Never. This should have never happened. Um, but sadly it did. That's the reality. Well, it, it happened because of, neglect neglect from parents of the children but actually i feel terrible for the parents and the children involved too because it's really neglect from the school the school knew all about this and they did nothing they didn't even tell the bronstein family that this was going on no they should have they they didn't tell should have told them immediately they should have told the parents of the kids that were doing the bullying what was going on. They should have got involved and said something. If they did, they could have saved a life. You know, they could have stopped this. They could have. They could have had all these kids in a room trying to work out their differences. That's what's so sad that in our society, and this is something you and I say all the time, say something, see something, say something. You know, be an upstander. Just don't be a bystander. Speak up. Yeah, like if, if you see someone sitting at the lunch table by themselves, grab them. You have did. Them, have you them, did. I've, I've done that plenty of times. You but have. Grab that person, go sit with them, or have them come sit with you and your buddies. Absolutely. I mean, this is, in today's day, society, world, we all hide behind our phones. I don't. You know, I don't hide from anything. You know, I, you got to face it. You know, you got to stand yeah. up and you got to face the music. 
right or wrong, you know, if you did something, you got to own up to it. Yeah. You know, you got to be responsible. Yeah. But I'm so. I'm very I'm very happy with how buckets over bullying is going right now. It's incredible. The events um, that we're doing and the people that we're reaching and the hearts that we're touching and the communities that we're saving, the schools that we're going to, the yeah. events that we're have, we have thousands of people. I mean, this is something that is uh this is legendary. This is, is what life is about. This I, and I this can't is wait. what dreams are made. I of. can't is, wait how to see how big this eventually is. You know what? Right now, it's big and it's only getting bigger. And this is our way for the success that we've had, big or small or good or bad, giving back to people and helping out. This is something that you and I chose to do. And and I'm so proud of you for sticking with it and being dedicated to it and and doing it because it it means a lot to everybody you know what yeah it shows that you are just not out there about making content and doing the videos and making money you're about giving back and helping people out especially your fans especially the youth especially these yeah. kids that need it well i mean i don't want to lose any other kid yeah you know I, it's we shouldn't lose any other kid I i feel like you know growing up I've bullied people. People have bullied me. Yeah. I've gotten in a fight. Whatever. You know, it, we've. I've grown up a lot from elementary school doing stupid shit, whatever. But I think, you know, with what we're doing, look at the parents of today's society. With all of these kids being on social media at a young age, a parent... It's so hard. The parents don't know. Th- they don't understand... You know, and and that that kind of comes, you know, where we come in. It's like buckets over bullying. We're gonna teach them. We can help you guys understand what's going on, and we could yeah. help you on how to fix any type of cyberbullying problem. We're gonna teach the parents. We're gonna teach the grandparents. We're gonna teach the youth. You have to be involved, and you have to ask your kids. You have to speak to your kids. And most of all, you have to listen to your kids and you have to hear what they're saying, even if they're not saying anything. Mm-hmm. If your kid comes home and goes right to his room and doesn't talk to anybody and closes his door, there's a problem. You have to encourage your kids to be out there talking and having play dates and doing whatever they do and doing the sports and staying off of their social media. Yeah. Mm. Definitely right. I mean, especially social media is so hard, especially for kids now, because there's this thing, not even just with bullying. There's also a problem with people always comparing themselves to everything it's that they image. see. It's an image in, problem. Into and none of this shit on social media is real. It doesn't mean shit. It's but, not. So but like even even I'm uh, guilty of it and everything. Everybody wants to see how many likes they're gonna get. Mm-hmm. How many. You know, stories, everybody, you know, how many friends they have. It, I, I, listen, I, I'm the trash-talking old man, and I'm guilty as fuck of it. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't even know how to say it. I get off on seeing it. I mean, it's like uh, the first thing people do is you wake up in the morning, and you open up your phone, and you look at your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at your social media. You look at your emails. You know, at least most people do. I yeah. mean, unless you have a dog that's sleeping in the bed next to you and you can't open your phone right away because you got to take your dog out to pee, you know, you're, <laughs> you're opening your phone. Yeah. So, you know, that's 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 the reality of life. 
you know, and there's so many apps and so many different things. And I mean, and you can't keep track of all of them. It's just you get lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Tristan, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a girlfriend? Do I have a girlfriend? Yeah. Of course I have a girlfriend. How'd you how'd you meet her? How did I meet her? Yeah. Um <laughs> was it on social media? Dude, I met her actually through Trent. Trent was dating her first? Yeah. Trent no. was <laughs> dating her. And I came wow. in No, no, no. So Trent was talking to this girl who used to be best friends with my girlfriend, Hannah, at the time. Alright. Um, they were on FaceTime one day and I seen that Trent shorty was with another shorty and I'm like, oh, she's some good looking blonde girl. I'm like, who is this girl? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so your girlfriend is good looking and blonde and he's short. I'm what do you, what? I'm telling you how I met her. <laughs> oh, but you said, you Trent asked me how I met her. Was this shorty. <laughs> yeah. Right, Trent's ahead. girl was with, with his girl, with my girl at the time, Got but it. Hannah was 17 what and i was 19 wow so i said i like nice to meet you blah blah, blah. i can't talk to you or hang out with you <laughs> like, wow. until you're 18 but i love it um <laughs> love it no literally so because i don't i don't believe in any of the underage shit i don't she, do that i don't play that shit she turned 18 in like a week and he said i'll see you when you're 18 uh, that that was what was funny about it i don't i right. i don't respect i don't you know whatever so, um, started kind of like talking to her when she was, I don't think on her, I, I think I said happy birthday or something and that was it for yeah. her birthday, whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, ended up talking to her probably a week later or something. And I was like, Hey, we should hang out sometime. Wow. So I, she was still in high school. I'm a year out of high school. Oh shit. There you go. I bet you went to junior prom. I did go to prom with her. That was another crazy wow. story. Wow. Wow. College but kid going with the high school, go to prom. I didn't go to college. Well, college age kid. <laughs> and yeah. I filmed a YouTube video at prom. It was wow, crazy. Oh, that is sick. That's um, but, charts. anyways, I. Wait, for, let me ask you a question, though. Yeah. Who got more attention at prom, her or you? <laughs> Who looked better in their outfit her or you she made me look good she made you look good. that's a great answer yes she she de definitely made me look good but um, i bet all the kids at the school wanted to hang out with you nope they i mean I, I brought security with me no. i had a cameraman with me wow. it was crazy that's so she must have felt really real like a princess yeah we really like enjoyed like royalty she felt like royalty I feel like we just enjoyed her senior year her last prom we that's nice. we enjoyed it and had a great night um, but anyways, so I didn't get to how I actually met her though. Okay. So I went, she was working this job at Regency Mall in Racine and I was like, Hey, I'm gonna meet you after work. Let's do something. So a mall chick. Boom. She was working at like some kids, uh, clothing store no. or some shit. Yeah. Some crazy shit. And since she's a shorty, she probably could wear the kids clothing. So she probably got a discount. Yeah, probably. probably. Yep. So, um, I went and met her. I brought my little brother with. Yeah. And yeah, from there I was like, did your little brother approve? Um I mean, yeah, I was just doing my thing, right. man. I didn't really ask him for no. approval. All I was right. just doing my thing, but yeah, she came back to my house, we hung out and then she drove home. She had school the next morning. She was still in high school. Shit. And uh How did her parents feel about 
her dating an older man. He was a year older. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wasn't 25 or yeah. anything. That's, I mean, that's kind of how I met her. Well, you seem very happy. She makes you happy. You live with her. She's a great girl. But do you support her or does she work? You know, today, <laughs> girls are, you know, these girls, you know, want to be, it's crazy. They want to be independent, but they want to be dependent. It's a catch-22. I feel so, you, brother. <laughs> so I encourage girls to work. I really do because it's for self-esteem. It's for their own peace of mind. And it's so they have their own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we get back to life, every person has to have wake up in the morning and have something to do. You just can't be shopping all day and have go to lunches with the girls and work out and look pretty for your husbands. You have to have a purpose in life. Facts. You know, so I encourage girls to work. So does she work? Does my girlfriend work? Yes. See, I think that is a great question, and I think you will find out the answer to that question when I have my girlfriend on an upcoming episode of the Everyone's Different podcast. Wow. So we're going to wrap it up here. Wow. But it's coming soon. I'm the looking answer, forward to the, watching that podcast. The answer of that question is coming soon. I'm a host, Tristan Jass. I'm here with my boy. Young Trench. And this is Everyone's Different Podcast. Make sure you guys check all of us out on social oh, media. Thank you, Polly, for wait, coming wait. on. Hold on. Who, who Hold I? I haven't, I haven't the got the there yet. I haven't got there yet. Fucker. a very, very big shout out to my guy, Polly. He's a mentor of mine. Thank you thank for you. hopping on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm Shy Town Polly, trash talking old man, even though I'm not old. I love you guys. You guys are great. Paul, love you, man. Much success to you guys. Part two episode with Polly coming soon. Let us know if you want to see it. We'll see you next episode. 100,000 likes. Peace. Love you guys. I'm Peace. Excited.